Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I'm going to start off by just posing a very simple question, and we're going to come back to this question a few times this morning, Uh, and that is this, uh, really for you to think for yourself, do you ever wonder what God is doing? Do you ever do a very simple question? Do you ever think, God, what are you doing? And it's a funny question, actually, because perhaps we only ask it in moments of frustration or difficulty. Uh, perhaps over the last couple of years, we have, we've asked that question quite a few times. Think, God, what are you doing at the moment? It was nearly two years ago that we were approaching our very first lockdown, and I'd imagine that question spiked uh, when lockdown hit. God, God, what are you doing at the moment? And the question actually is a really important one. It's a huge part of being a follower of Jesus. I think it's really important because it has massive theological implications uh, and it also has very, very practical implications as well. So we could just try and understand it theologically. We could try and get our head into this question, what it means to ask, why we'd ask it, actually, so that it could become a head knowledge thing. But actually, it's very important to think, how do we live this out? How do we live out this question, God, what are you doing at the moment? How do you live in the tension of that question? And I think it's quite a tense question because we have to, as believers in Jesus, say, okay, I believe God. I believe him. I believe that he is true and good. And at exactly the same time, I'm wondering what on earth he is doing at the moment. And it is an important question. And it's perhaps important as well because it's, it feels a little bit, almost a little bit dangerous. Do you know, like, am I going to get a holy smackdown for asking this question? Some sort of bolt from the blue? Is this impatient of me? Do, do good Christians just happily trust and never ask God, what on earth is going on? What are you doing at the moment? And we've been working our way through uh, Romans 8, and uh, in Romans 8.25, which you would have uh, looked at last week, I think, it says, we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And really, Paul is explaining that we live and have lived and will continue to live in a crossover moment. What do I mean by that? Well, it's a moment where the kingdom of God is advancing, okay? And yet the world is still broken. Exactly the same moment. God is on the move. God's kingdom is advancing. His way of doing things is advancing. The world is still a mess. Both of those things are true. It's a crossover moment. And when we talk about God's kingdom, we mean that. It's his way of doing things. His rule and reign. And if we repent, if we say, Lord, you are my my saviour. Jesus died and and was risen again for me so that I can uh, enter into this kingdom, so I can play my part, so I can become part of his great plan for the universe. Uh, That is true. And yet at the same time, I see pain, I see suffering, I see difficulty. I experience that perhaps in my own life. I see it in my family and my friends. I watch it on the news. We see those things. It's a crossover moment. Another way of saying that is we believe the kingdom of God is here, but it's not yet here. 
and it, they're both true, okay? Let's get your brains going on a Sunday morning. How could something be here, but not yet here? Well, we see that in the kingdom of God. We believe it is here. We hope for that. So Mark told us a kingdom of God story this morning, didn't he, just then? Actually, he prayed for someone, and that was a nervous moment, and he knows that the kingdom of God is here, but not yet here, and it's not yet here, so he was thinking, am I going to get into trouble for this prayer? But he doesn't, actually. He sees that it brought hope to someone, brought them peace in a very difficult moment. So we see the kingdom of God is here. We see both things are true. And we see it as well sometimes when we pray. Right? So sometimes, I don't know what you, what you experience when you pray, but sometimes when I pray, it feels like God is just there with me. feels like he's listening to the things that I'm asking him or talking to him about. And sometimes he answers those prayers. And you think, wow, that's incredible. God is moving. Other times you can be praying and you think, is God even listening to the things I'm saying? I feel completely unheard. I'm talking to a wall. The kingdom of God is here. It's not yet here. And that's why Paul says, look, we hope for what we do not see, we wait with patience. So you're doing a crossover thing. But patience as well can be easy to misunderstand. Patience actually can become passivity, which is not what Paul meant. He doesn't mean you do nothing. You just wait, you take no responsibility. It doesn't mean that at all. And even in perhaps in the patience, we, we over time forget that we are waiting for something Perhaps even we slowly give up on those things. Perhaps we stop asking, God, what are you doing at the moment? We stop looking for the advancing kingdom. We stop looking for our opportunities to take part in that advancing kingdom. We stop praying. We stop talking to God. And actually, that's a tough moment to live in. And perhaps a a few of us have been through times like that. Perhaps a few of us are in a moment like that. And it's a tough moment, but actually it's a real opportunity moment as well to lift our heads, to ask God to move again. And we're going to read from Romans 8, 26 to 27 this morning. And we're going to think about how this crossover moment works for us, how this question, God, what are you doing at the moment? How actually we can pray that, how it works. So it says, Paul writes, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we think, what is God doing at the moment? What is going on? You might not think that when you watch the news. You might think that in a a mental health crisis, in any number of situations. God, what are you doing at the moment? And there are a few massive clues here. The first clue is God helps you in your weakness. You think, God, what are you doing? He's helping you. says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. It's a great thing to, to know straight off the bat, isn't it? Now, humans... We are, we're not a big fan of weakness as a rule, are we? It's not seen as a virtue. If we were to say about someone, oh, yeah, she is weak, we are not paying them a compliment, are we? It's not a complimentary thing. And uh, you wouldn't describe yourself as weak, would you? So in a, in a job interview, if you had a job interview, they'll ask you what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And when it gets to the weakness question, you use it as a way to describe a strength. That's what you do. So you might say, well, I am too 
too detail-orientated, which means I understand everything that's happening all the time, so that weakness becomes a strength. Or you might say, I'm actually a bit of a perfectionist. That's a real weakness for me. No, really, you're saying, I get everything right every time. So we, we don't like the idea of weakness, but actually, it's okay to own up to our weaknesses. Actually, I think it's an important part of following Jesus to say to God, I am human, I am weak, I need your help. Even to say, I feel weak in my prayer. Now, owning up to weakness, actually, why is that important? Because it is the beginnings of repentance. When we repent, actually, we have to acknowledge our flaws, our failings, the things that we have done wrong, perhaps, or our weaknesses. And as Peter said, his famous first sermon in Acts 2, he he talked about how repentance leads to refreshing. But there is no point just saying, I am weak, and then just not doing anything about it. Not asking for help, just using it as a statement to keep people away from you. I'm weak, I'm broken, but I'm not going to do anything about these things. I'm not going to ask for any help at all. not going to see how actually I can become stronger, how I can grow in strength. Actually, becoming stronger, us growing in strength, is an important part of God's kingdom. But we grow in strength in a very different way to the world's kingdom. So kingdom strength comes in reliance on others, reliance on God's. In the modern world, strength comes from independence, often. In the kingdom, strength comes from trusting, having faith, having belief in God's, having obedience to him. But in the world, strength comes from trusting in ourselves, having faith in ourselves, drawing from that strength within. So firstly, when we think, what is God doing at the moment? Well, first of all, he wants to help us in our weakness. So we need to own up to our weaknesses. We have to ask for help. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a fairly independent chap. I like to solve my own problems. I like to celebrate my own victories. I'd much rather I worked all of these things out for myself and I didn't get any help. I actually don't, I hate admitting that I can't do something. It's really, uh, I I just don't like it at all, um, which you can draw your own conclusions from that, but I don't like it. And when I first, uh, when we first planted Fallowfield, this site of CCM, uh, I actively avoided asking for help, actively avoided. And there were people around me who had planted churches I had never planted church before and I actively decide I'm not going to ask for their help because even though they clearly know more than me and are more gifted than me I'm independent I'm stubborn I I can work this stuff out Um, unfortunately I couldn't so um, a real kingdom strength actually was realizing I needed help and as soon as I began to ask for help as soon as I began to realize I am weak I can't do this uh, then the church began to grow things began to change but we have to ask for help And the Holy Spirit, as Paul describes, actually he says, look, when we come to God in a weakness, he helps us to pray. It's another thing that God is doing at the moment. He helps you in your weakness. He helps you to pray. He says, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We do not know how to pray as we ought. It's quite a, quite a phrase, isn't it? As I've watched the news this week, and I've been thinking about my friends who live in Ukraine. We've got friends who live in Mariupol, um, or who did live there. I think there are some still stuck there. Um, and th- uh, people that have fled as well with their families. Got sent some photos this morning of them. And when I see all of this, I think, I actually, 
I, can't, I do know what to pray. I want them to live and have good lives. But equally, you look at the vastness of the situation. I, I don't quite know how to pray. Sometimes I don't quite know what to pray because I feel like I'm up against the Russian military as I'm praying. It's a strange thing, up against a, a vicious dictator as I pray. Uh, and there's some heartache in those moments. How do I, how do I pray for that? And uh, I, I went to the Ukraine a, a number of years ago and I went with a friend of mine uh, who's uh, uh, English based in the UK and um, we were talking this week because he's been numbers of times more than me, he knows lots of the people out there uh, and uh, he, was, he was just really struggling with it. Uh, and part of it was that we both really like to do things, like we're quite active, if there's a problem we try and fix it, if there's a project we try and uh, do it and him really he loves projects, real complete a finisher, he thinks okay uh, if there's something broken I can fix it, really good at DIY, that kind of, that kind of person. Uh, but he was like I just feel completely powerless, They're actually I've got nothing here in this, like I can send the money and money is helpful but there is a sense of powerlessness up against uh, movements in the world and it was a very difficult moment for him. And actually, sometimes we say, oh, well, we can pray. And it's like, well, everything's finished. There's nothing left we can do. Perhaps we should pray. Actually, in those big moments, it's hard to know even what the right words are. Right? In those big, difficult moments. And perhaps for you, it's, you have a similar experience when you watch the news. Or perhaps it's a time of sickness for yourself or for someone that you love. Uh, an ongoing sickness, maybe. And you just think, I, I keep praying. I keep praying. We're praying for something big to happen, for, for sickness to end. Perhaps it's a, a battle against something in your own life. Perhaps there's a, a habit or a, a sin that you're desperate to try and break, but, uh, but you're really struggling. Or perhaps it's something God is challenging you about, and you pray about it, but find yourself pulled back into it. When we pray, often, if we're honest, we don't always know what to pray. Or, or, or perhaps we run out of words that we need to pray. Or perhaps you run out of energy when you're trying to pray. As Paul describes it, he says, well, this is what the Holy Spirit does for you. If you want to know what God's doing at the moment, he groans for you. He groans in, wor- in groans that words cannot express. It's almost like he expresses the emotions that we are struggling to put words to. He groans for us. Actually, it's quite an odd concept, this one. You think, well, he's groaning. I'm surely the Holy Spirit knows the words to say. I mean, he's God. Surely he can put a sentence together which articulates this. But actually, Jesus did this a bit as well. Jesus prayed a little like this. In Mark 7, he sighs. When he, when he prays at one point. And he does it a couple of times. The first time, he sighs with hope. A man is brought to him who is completely deaf, also couldn't speak as well, and his friends bring him to Jesus and they beg him to heal this man. And I wonder if this is where Jesus' hope is because the people have brought this guy to him in faith and, uh, and realising that Jesus can, can do stuff. Let's, let's approach Jesus. Jesus is the person that heals. He seems to have some authority. That's a bit of a show of faith, isn't it? And Jesus takes this guy aside very privately and puts his fingers in his ears and then touches his tongue, then prays for him. And it says, Jesus looked up to heaven and he sighed. And said to, said to him, be opened, that his ears would open, his mouth would be opened. Jesus sighed as he prayed. 
a sigh of hope. Then a few verses later in Mark 8, Jesus sighs again. And this time he sighs with some frustration. So we've seen uh, this group of friends bring their sick friends to Jesus. Uh, and then we see another group approach Jesus, a group called the Pharisee, who, Pharisees, who were kind of uh, religious um, and political like fanatics, really. Uh, and they came to Jesus, and their intention wasn't to come to Jesus for help or hope. They came to Jesus looking for an argument, and that's why. And they came to him, and they said, we want a sign, and they want a test for Jesus. And Jesus listens to them. And then it says, he sighed deeply in his spirit. This is a sign perhaps of of frustration, of being upset even, of seeing their lack of faith. Perhaps he was comparing it to the the last group of people that came to him. And they came with hope and with desperation and need of help. And this lot come for an argument. And Jesus sighs and then says, why does this generation need a sign? And he, he goes. Ironically, they were asking for a sign, but ignoring the healing that had just happened. They, think they wanted things only on their own terms, not on Jesus' terms. But Jesus, as he signs, it's like a, a groaning noise, isn't it? Making a noise that words can't express, articulating an emotion of hope and of frustration as well. And when you come to God and you pray... And perhaps you're thinking, I, I don't know what to pray. Perhaps it's a, a situation like Jesus felt with the Pharisees, thinking, why do they keep coming at me like this? Why, why are they um, not seeing the good stuff that I'm doing? Why are they um, not hearing what I'm saying? And he sighs in that frustration. But actually, the Holy Spirit groans and sighs for us as well when we pray. So you think, what is God doing at the moment? Well, he helps you in your weakness. He helps you to pray. He helps you to express perhaps the things that are stuck within you, the desperation that you have. And then what else does he do? Well, he interprets us as well. The Spirit interprets you. It says, he who searches hearts knows what is, in the, what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. We're the saints, by the way, according to the will of God's. Incidentally, you see the Trinity at work here. You see the Holy Spirit who's been sent by Jesus, helping us to pray by talking to God the Father on our behalf. It's a wonderful picture that this paints. Okay? And I, I love this picture because I think uh, I have a place in my house that I sit and pray. It's a, got a chair in our bedroom and I sit there. The kids have gone to school. Vic's gone to work. I sit there with a cup of tea. And I pray. That's what I do. Incidentally, if you're struggling to pray, get a time and a place. Those things will both help you. So I sit on my chair and often it's early in the morning. I'm just it's tired. So I'm holding my tea, waiting for the, the caffeine to kick in. And I'm praying for whatever is on my heart at that moment. But as I do that, sometimes it feels like, oh, this is a good spiritual moment. I'm a good Christian. Other times I'm thinking anything I'm thinking about football I'm trying you know trying to get your mind into gear and actually in that moment the Holy Spirit is my heavenly interpreter it's like he's with the father in heaven and saying look I know Tim this is what he really means when he's praying okay this may not be the most articulate he may be a bit tired but this is what he's getting at he intercedes for us now, when I, um, when I, I preach abroad, and I've been to uh, Krakow a few times in Poland and preached there, uh, and it's a Ukrainian church, they speak Russian, and uh, it might surprise you to know that I can't speak Russian. I can't do that. 
So I had an interpreter, uh, this lady called Veronica, who would stand next to me and uh, interpret what I was saying in Russian because she's very clever. But also, often, my friends would be sat on the front row. And he's also very good at English and Russian. Uh, and he knows me really well. We're quite good friends. Uh, and um, he knows what I'm talking about and the things that I'm trying to articulate. And every now and again, my friend on the front row will interrupt my interpreter in Russian. So I've no idea what's going, what's going on. Uh, and he will interrupt her. Uh, and then they will have a conversation about what I'm saying and whether she is interpreting it correctly. Now, they're not English, so they don't do it quite politely. Oh, um, I'm not sure you've got that. Maybe you've got it right. Maybe you haven't got it right. They're kind of Ukrainians like, no, you've got this wrong. It means this. No, no, I've got it right. And, then, and everybody's happy with this. I'm just standing there, timid English guy, thinking they're in a full-on row. But actually, they're not. They're just having a good time. Uh, and they're trying to understand and interpret what I am saying. And usually, my friend on the front row, he wins the argument. Uh, and, uh, and then, But when he does... I've watched it a couple of times, then she'll go, yes, okay, and then say something in Russian that's a bit different. And you can see everybody in the room going, oh, okay, now I understand. Now I see what he's saying. You can see all the people tune into it, nodding. They find like, I finally get what he means. And I kind of picture the Holy Spirit doing that explaining to God perhaps what I mean. And it's not like God doesn't understand. It's not like God's going, what is he talking about? There's no sense of that at all. But it's we are seeing the Trinity working in community at the moment, helping me to pray. It's a wonderful picture. And actually, it's a moment of worship for us in that. Not only does God, our Father in heaven, the creator of all things, not only does he know who I am, but he's listening to my sometimes very tired attempts at praying, sometimes my very kind of passionate attempts at praying, sometimes my very flippant prayers. All of those, he is listening to me, and the Holy Spirit and him seem to be having some sort of dialogue about what I'm praying. That's quite something, isn't it? If you think about that, I think, you kind of think, oh, I'll just chuck up a quick prayer. Actually, that causes a conversation in heaven. It's worth thinking about that. And not only that, it says he knows my heart. He searches my heart. And you just think, it is amazing how much effort God puts into my prayers. And you might think, oh, I'm a bit tired for praying this morning. I'm not quite sure I've got the energy to do it. Well, God puts a lot more effort into your prayers than you do. Now, recently, we've, uh, we've been praying for some, some family things, quite tricky family things. And all I could pray, because I didn't really know what the answer was. It's a difficult situation. I thought, I don't know what a good outcome here. I really don't. But I know this, where it is at the moment isn't good. And I want it to change. But I think I have an idea of how that could happen. But really, I'm not sure. So basically, all I could pray was, please, God, help. That was all I had. Didn't have anything else. And would pray that for months, actually. And numbers of times in those situations are completely clueless. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. We think this thing is going on. I know it's not good. I don't know how it changes. I don't know how it changes at all. Perhaps you look at the situation in Ukraine. Perhaps you look at something going on in your job. Perhaps you look at a relationship which just it's not working. And you think, I don't know how this changes. And in those moments, please, God, help. It's a good, good prayer. Because Father hears it, searches your heart. Holy Spirit stood next to him saying, okay, I think this is what he means. They're talking about it together. It's a very powerful thing. 
And for us in that tricky family situation, it did slowly change and improve, and not in ways that I thought it would. And in fact, the situation was, is now better than I dared ask for. I don't think I had the faith to ask for what actually was the outcome. And I wonder if the Holy Spirit just groaned for me. Maybe it was one of Jesus' sighs of hope. He interpreted the few words I had. So we're going to finish in a moment, but I want you to, to ask yourself, or to allow yourself to ask, God, what are you doing at the moment? It's a very important prayer, actually, to, to keep coming back to. It, and it could come out of a, a frustration at the state of the world or, or something going on in life, that difficult job, that difficult relationship, or perhaps a great opportunity that's coming your way and you're just trying to work out what you should do. It could be those things. It could be things are going well and actually you're just wanting to hear from God. Whatever way, it's a brilliant question to pray. God, what are you doing at the moment? It's a fantastic prayer because actually he might tell you. There's a thought. He might actually answer you and say, well, this is what I'm doing at the moment. Would you like to help me? That's a great answer to prayer. But you might pray and you might not feel anything in particular. But actually, that is just as valid as well. Because it means you are looking for him. Pray, God, what are you doing at the moment? It's a seeking prayer, isn't it? It's not, Lord, I've got a whole list of things I would like you to do for me. I've got the Euro Millions. I've got my football team. I've got my mum and dad. I've got all of these things, God, a whole list of stuff I would like you to do for me. But actually, God, what are you doing at the moment? Very open prayer. We see that when we pray that, the Holy Spirit swings into action, groaning and sighing for us. Actually, as we seek God's, powerful things happen. Psalm 69 says, you who seek God, let your hearts revive. If you're struggling, even as you're listening to me thinking, Tim, I ain't going to pray tomorrow. My week is crazy. I've got to get up early. I get home late. I'm working all day or I've got exams or I've got whatever stress there is. The simple just seeking God allows your heart to revive, causes you to be brought back to life. 